0: Hi, I'm Sage. Keep listening to Hard Drops with Suse. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hard Drops with Suse. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for clicking the link or listening from your Apple podcast or Spotify or your browser. Thank you for taking our time to listen today. Thank you for following and sharing the links and everything you do to help this podcast grow. I appreciate every one of you. Thank you so much. If you are a first-time listener, this podcast is for discussing relationships and societal issues. Today, we'll be talking about an important aspect of of our beings and how it affects our relationships. It doesn't have to do with romantic relationships. It can also help with your friendships, with your family members, with your colleagues at work, with everybody around you because we are all relating with people around us. So stick around for more. Today I'll be sharing my thoughts on temperaments in relationships. I know many people have heard about temperaments and some already know what their temperaments are but there's always somebody or some people who don't really know what temperaments are and I'm just here to share my thoughts on what that is and how we can improve our relationships when we know our temperaments and the temperaments of the people around us. I think that's really important, right? Today's topic is inspired by Tim Lahaye's book. Tim Lahaye is the author of Why You Act the Way You Do. So everything I'm sharing is based or is inspired by the book and by personal experiences. I thought it was very useful knowledge that people need to help their relationships because that's the goal of this podcast and I just thought to share that with everyone. So whether or not you know what it is about, please just listen, you probably learn something new or relearn something you know that you should. On today's episode I'll be answering questions like what is temperament, why it is important, the importance of temperament in our relationships, the difference between temperament, character and personality and whether or not we can change or fix our temperaments. Now the temperament is the foundation of or the canvas of who you are. That's how best I know to, de- um, to define it. It is your inherited default setting it's passed on by genes the combination of your parents genes or your grandparents genes in some cases and it's just how you are like default setting how you are how you came into this world your temperament is the inborn trait that affects your behavior now your character is your temperament in addition to training and education and you know principles association and other things that happen in life as we go on So imagine the temperament is the foundation. Now your character is the building on that foundation because it comes from, you know, various parts of your life, from your associations, from your school, from your, you know, place of worship and just many other things combined that leads to your character. Your character is who you are as a person. So two people with the same temperament may have different characters owing to their education, to their socialization, their family, and their general experiences in life. Now, your personality is the outward expression of your character. So, it may be true and it may not be true. I'm sure you've heard it said before that my personality depends on on who I'm with or where I am. That is because people can easily change their personality. It is an appearance. It is an expression. And somebody can, you know, show their true personality or they can pretend and display a different personality from what their character truly is. That is a topic for another day, right? So, that's the basic difference. Now, understanding your temperament will help you understand yourself and it will also help you understand the people around you. It will help you communicate better. When you understand the kind of person you are and the kind of person your friend is or your parents are or your siblings or your partner, you know, it will help you to understand and to manage the differences. It will also help you to balance the strengths and the weaknesses. There are four temperaments and... The first one here is sanguine, and I think everybody knows the sanguine. They are the friendly ones, they are lively, they are talkative, they are imaginative, they are very optimistic people, they are outgoing and extroverted, right? And I think everybody has that one friend that is the life of the party, or the first to strike up a conversation, even when they don't know somebody, you, or you think they've known them their whole lives and they just met 10 minutes ago, they are just those kind of people, that's a sanguine. When it comes to communication, a sanguine is very expressive and they usually exaggerate. They are the ones that will add pepper and fish and salt to the story. They won't just tell you the story. They will tell you what happened before the story. They will give you the prelude to the story. So they are very fun to be around. They are very sociable, you know, and just very expressive people generally. When it comes to spending money, sanguines are impulsive buyers. They are impulsive spenders. They are very moved by fancy and colorful packaging. So sanguines tend to wear bright colors. They are always wearing yellow, you know, green, neon, pink, very flashy and interesting colors. Those are sanguines. The second one is cholerics. Cholerics are natural leaders, they are productive, they are quick, very active, no nonsense, and strong-willed. They can make decisions quickly for themselves and for other people. They are also extroverted, but unlike the sanguines, they are not as intense. So even though, they are, even though they are both extroverted, they are both, you know, they can be friendly, but a sanguine is more expressive than a choleric. A choleric is very goal-focused. They are very firm and determined. So if you have a strict parent or a strict partner or, you know, that strict friend that just knows how to get everybody in line, you are probably dealing with a choleric. When it comes to communication, a choleric speaks freely but they are more deliberate a choleric is more of a debater because they present you facts and figures they are very detailed people like i said earlier so they're very deliberate now when it comes to spending money a choleric will buy only what he or she needs and they get in and out of the store very fast they don't waste time they know what they want to buy they are there for perfumes or body spray or scented candles. They go to where they are, they just go there straight, pick up what they want, and then they leave, right? Unlike a sanguine who can buy things that they didn't really intend to buy in the first place. The third one is the melancholy. Melancholies are very analytical, they are very gifted, they are emotional, self sacrificing, they enjoy things like art and nature, and they usually have trouble expressing themselves, unlike the sanguines. When it comes to communication, a melancholy thinks and processes their thoughts before speaking. So they may not be the first to talk, but when they are comfortable enough or when they process their thoughts well, they would speak up and they usually have a long stream of thoughts. So they let out everything they want to say at once and then they stop. That is a melancholy. When it comes to spending money, a melancholy takes their time to buy things. They are always comparing prices, always comparing quality, they don't just buy things because, you know, they, they look at all the options, the way the cost and the, the way the pros and the cons, the cost, the benefits, everything that, you know, everything that it entails before they make their choice. That is a melancholy. If you follow us to the market, you will spend time because I like to look at everything I'm buying. I won't just pick one item out of two options. I like to see many options because I'll compare the ingredients, you know, when it comes to food or skincare. I like to take my time to make the best choice. I don't want to get to and feel like I could have gotten a better deal or I could have gotten something better. Like I said, with deep things. That is the melancholy. And then the phlegmatic is easygoing, hardly gets upset, most likable, you know. Avoid conflict, consistent and cool. I'm sure we all have that friend who doesn't talk too much, who doesn't talk a lot, but we just refer to the person as the cool guy. That is the phlegmatic. They're usually quiet and don't speak unless they are spoken to but they respond with wit and humor. When it comes to buying things, they take even longer than the melancholy because they're usually indecisive and more frugal, which means they don't like to waste money. They want to, you know, save as much money as they can. They want to feel like they're getting the best bargain possible. If you have a phlegmatic mom, I'm sure you would have spent several minutes haggling and, you know, bargaining, with a vendor at the market and you will spend a kogba one five near there 800 700 200 so they will buy it 150 at the end of the day that is a phlegmatic person i want to quickly address the weaknesses of each temperament before you know i go on the weaknesses of a sanguine is they are impulsive and they lack discipline a sanguine is also usually secretly insecure So, behind all the bravado and the public speaking, you know, and the swag and all the pomp, sanguines are usually secretly insecure. So, when they are by themselves, they can, you know, they get insecure about maybe something that they do or who they are as a person. The weaknesses of a choleric are they lack expression of compassion and they have anger issues. Cholerics are usually insensitive. If they find a melancholy crying, they'll be like, What's wrong with you? Why are you crying? What's the problem? They don't really understand emotions of other people, so they can be insensitive when they, you know when they see somebody having a downtime or, or a disempowering emotion. Now, a melancholy's weakness is that they are very pessimistic and they are critics. They are the first to see something that is wrong in a place or in somebody. Now, some are verbal; some of us will keep quiet, right? But we usually quickly spot what is wrong in a situation. Another thing is they are also perfectionists. So they like things done a certain way and they have high standards. If you have a melancholy mom, God be with you because almost everything you do will be scrutinized, you know, and they'll keep looking, you know, keep assessing and keep looking and they just always find something wrong with what you're doing. It's not a good thing because you'll be putting down people's efforts. So that is a melancholy's weakness. Now, the phlegmatic's weakness is that they're usually sluggish and fearful and they hardly want to lead because they are very timid. So unless vocation rises or they have a choleric side to them, they may never lead anything. They just want to be in the background and not do anything. They're just, you know, very laid back, you know, and uninterested in many activities. So that's for the four temperaments it's important to note that nobody is 100% any temperament. You can have choleric as your dominant temperament coupled with sanguine as the less dominant one. So maybe you're like 80% phlegmatic and 20% choleric or 50% melancholy, 50% sanguine. You know, there's just always one that is more than the other. So nobody is 100% any temperament. And even in the same family where maybe you have phlegmatic parents, there will still be children who would, you know vary in the percentages so you might not take your parents full phlegmatic nature you may be less phlegmatic and more choleric or more sanguine depending on your own temperament and like i said there are various blends and various percentages of each temperament your temperament will influence your career path it will influence your hobby it will influence your choice of friends your choice of partners, your attitude to work and just much more in life. For example, somebody who is a melancholy is more likely to end up in a career that has to do with arts and, you know, nature, something that has to do with fashion or music, just something that really expresses their emotions and their creative side. So if a melancholy has a sanguine nature, they would probably be in entertainment or media. Phlegmatics at the workplace are very committed, once they are in a company they can be there for 20 to 30 years, they just keep working there, they don't really see the need to change, they're like sanguines, that want to change up every 6 months or every year, always looking for something new, something interesting that catches their fancy. So your temperament will definitely affect the kind of work you do or how well you do your work. It's not an excuse to be lazy, for example, it's just saying that this is who you are by default just like crude oil or any raw material you can always refine and change yourself that's the beautiful thing about human beings there's always opportunities to evolve and to do better ask yourself these questions or take a quiz i will share the link for those who are interested in the link to take their temperament quiz or a temperament calculator just to understand the kind of person that you are and what your weaknesses are or what your strengths are so celebrate the strengths be happy for them yes if you're a choleric you can get the job done, you are very effective at the workplace. But if you have weaknesses like anger that you have not dealt with or you are very insensitive to people's needs, that needs to change. So you would need to address those issues. Those weaknesses can be strengthened. You can turn them around and just be a better person in relationships. Nobody wants to be with an insensitive person where you always diminish people's feelings and you don't take anybody seriously because you just focus on the work, let the work get done. You know, bosses like that, they don't really care about whether you're sick or you're having a bad day. Just get the work done and, you know, get out. That is a choleric and it is a weakness or, you know, a bad trait that you need to work on. A sanguine's bad trait, for example, is lack of discipline nobody wants a partner who cannot be trusted or who lacks discipline lack of discipline just means you would cheat or you would lie to your partner and nobody wants that right these are some of the pointers to things that you need to change to have better relationships with people around you like i said in the beginning knowing your temperament or that of those around you would help you to manage your relationships better if you're a choleric person who has a sanguine partner, you understand that even when you are being serious, they may be playful. You just know how to balance your differences and the similarities you have. If you're a melancholy person with a choleric partner, you know that sometimes um you know that your melancholy partner is very sensitive and they will take words seriously. So you don't talk anyhow to them, you don't bash down their ideas because it's to get to them more than to get to a sanguine. If you abuse sanguine, they will move on easily. You just be like, eh, okay. They've gone. But a melancholy, will get to and think about it. So he said, I'm mad. Wow. What did he see For him to say, I'm mad. Why would he say that? Am I truly mad? They're going to question so many things that they have done or they have said. And, if, you know, it can just make somebody who is, who is a deep thinker, very insecure. And you don't want to do that to people, right? Or if you're a phlegmatic person and you have a choleric partner, you understand why they always want to get things done immediately. And you are being sluggish and they don't have the patience for it. It just helps everybody to manage their differences better i think aside asking yourself you should also ask your friends or your partner about your temperament what traits do they see you exhibiting how do you behave when you're around them or around other people It also give you a pointer to know the things you need to you know develop more if you already have a good trait you amplify it you know you do more of that and if you have a negative trait you work on it and try to convert it into something good. That is the whole point of today's podcast. Identify yourself, spot the good things, celebrate them, spot the bad things and begin to work on them. That is the most important thing. So self-awareness, be honest with yourself and decide to strengthen your weaknesses. I have the soft copy of the book for those who are interested. I can send it to you via mail or just DM you on WhatsApp and then, you know, we can all grow and learn from it. And if you have other things that you think would be important or that you want me to share or just feedback and comments, basically, I'm very, very open to them. And I just want to always learn from the audience. I know that I don't know everything on this topic, so I look forward to the comments and the feedback. Let me know if there's anything I missed out. Now that we have covered the foundation of temperament, next week, we'll be talking about how to better handle it in your relationships. I know I gave a brief overview, but next week, I'll be dwelling on that and giving very clear examples. I would also have maybe one or two guests so we can talk about it and just share thoughts on that. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for following. Thank you for sharing the links and for sharing with your friends. I appreciate it and I'm very grateful for every single person who helps this podcast to grow in any way. Thank you so much for listening today. I look forward to hearing from you in the DMs and in the comments section. See you next week. Bye.